0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest comes yet again from Carry Optics Nationals. He's young, he's aggressive, and he's accurate. He placed fourth behind only Nils, JJ, and Max. Let's welcome Brantley Miriam to the show. How you doing, Brantley? on. Yeah oh thanks for being on i appreciate it why don't you go ahead and take a second and introduce yourself
1: yes sir uh so i'm brantley miriam uh kind of got into shooting just kind of grew up around guns always just going out into the the backyard and shoot things off logs cans trash bottles and uh started uh concealed carrying whenever i turned about 18 and really was like hey how do i get more proficient with the firearm that i'm carrying and that's kind of how I found uh, practical shooting, um, watching tons and tons of YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I was like, man, them guys running around—that looks heck of a lot of fun. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to do that. Um, started uh, competing, I think, whenever I was 20, 21, um, something around there. And I mean, after my first match, I was bit by the bug. I couldn't, couldn't stop. It was consumed a lot of portions of uh, just time and effort and energy to continue to get better at the sport that I enjoyed. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a a fun experience ever since then for sure.
0: You know, I feel like if more people shoot a match and get hooked and Fauci hears about it, he's going to try to come up with a vaccine to fix it. So we can't (laughs) let those guys know. Yeah. Those DC people, they're not going to like it. So we can't let if, them know. If you
1: could, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of buddies who like who'll come to the range with me and kind of just like practice a little bit with me. But if you can ever get somebody to come and shoot a match, they're normally hooked. Uh, That's kind of the, the key to it. If you can get them to shoot, you got them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's easy. Uh, now I got to ask you, I don't know. Um, I know you shot with Isaac on the super squad. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard his interview on the podcast, but it was yes. hysterical. He said he was watching those videos. He was like, there's no way they're aiming. There's no way they're aiming at anything. They're just shooting. <laughs> yep. Yep. That sounds and, and about right. Um, yeah. And now you look at his bill drill from Carry Optics National. It's like, dude, did you even look down your sights or did you just point the gun? Because that was crazy fast.
1: Exactly. I guarantee you, he did not see his dot until like the third or fourth <laughs> shot. I mean, he's just point shooting at that point. Um, but yeah, 1.23 seconds. Was it 1.24 or something?
0: That's one, two, three. Yeah. You were ridiculous. right. One, two, like, three. That's like, yeah.
1: like, that's like human, like level of like muscle, like movement quick. Um, very, very impressed for sure.
0: Yeah. It sounded like machine gun fire. It's like, holy cow
1: yeah I was like are are you sure you're not like bump firing that pistol like like
0: come on yeah don't let the ATF know you got something illegal in there (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. don't look at a seer cage (laughs) so um I like to start with some icebreaker questions kind of get to know you uh if you heard Isaacs then you know what I'm going to be asking so what's your favorite movie
1: I would have to say it's two movies. Um, I can't okay. like decide on like one specific thing um, on any of the categories, so I'll kind of go with two. But uh, it would have to be The Last Samurai and Ooh. Saving Private Ryan. Um, oh, those okay. two movies I grew up watching on repeat over and over and over again. Um, and just kind of fell in love with just that type of genre kind of thing.
0: Now, the last samurai was that the one with Tom Cruise, or is that a different one?
1: Yes, sir, it's Tom Cruise. Okay, my early, my... early
0: Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's funny you say um, Saving Private Ryan because early two thousands, um, my ex wife and I had moved into a new house we had built, and we had bought a big—I forget—I think it was at the time it was a sixty inch. No sixty-five inch, um, big screen, high def. That was when ten eighty p first came. I mean, ten eighty p was the big thing, and uh, I was like, the first movie I am watching on there is Saving Private Ryan. So that was the very first movie I watched on a big screen TV.
1: Get you some of the surround sound. You feel like
0: you are you are yeah. the beach with them. Yep, exactly. And I had that all hooked up, so it was loud and it was it was awesome so 100. two very good choices thank you all right. now this next question guys tend to fall into one of two categories either they don't read books at all or they read a hundred books so what's your favorite book if you read
1: I will, I will be in the middle of that category um, okay I well, did we found not some read a road. single book <laughs> heck yeah um I barely read anything through high school. Um, it didn't. I didn't start reading books until like college and whenever I got married, um, where I was like, "Hey, I have to." It's kind of nice to learn stuff because you can either learn from your own experiences or learn from the experiences of others, and it's a whole lot easier that way. But my two favorite books would have to be um, "Love and Respect" and uh, "Extreme Ownership" by Jocko Willink.
0: Okay. All right. I. Now, what's the love and respect? What is that?
1: Um, so it's more of like a, a marriage relationship uh, book.
0: Where, uh, oh, okay.
1: I forgot what scripture it is, but it's like um, it's uh, husbands respect your wives, and or husbands res- love your wives, and wives respect your husbands, and just kind of that dich- dichotomy of how you can help your your spouse and your your partner. Very, very good book. If you're in a relationship, definitely okay. read that book. And also if you're like a guy or a woman who wants to kind of push their own envelope a little better and kind of have some more personal responsibility, read Extreme Ownership. Uh, very, very two good books.
0: I like it. So what did you, when you, do you have a bachelor's or associates? What do you have?
1: Um, so I'm currently on track to get my associates. Um, for, uh, drafting.
0: Okay. Ooh, okay. Some mechanical drawing.
1: Yes, sir. Yep. Done a little part-time, uh, stuff with it and, uh, just really enjoyed it. Kind of like doing the <laughs> engineering from, from a kid, but, uh, drawings, 3d modeling, all that stuff is a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Here's a, here's a quick backstory. Let's tell you how old I am. Um, there used to be a program called word perfect. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It was basically. The precursor, it was, um, I know the company it's right on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, the precursor to like Microsoft word, I actually created a user handbook for the Leopold Mark four M one scope back in the day. Cause it was the first like Hardy tactical scope with tall turrets on it. Um, but there was no real drawings and. At the time I was teaching um, long range stuff. So I was okay. able I was able to recreate. I took measurements on that scope in millimeters, and I was able to recreate that entire scope, everything about it in word perfect by using the up and down arrows on the keyboard. And each oh each yeah, each tap would equate to one millimeter. So I was, it took, it took a while, but it was pretty cool. So oh, I'm, I, I like that you're doing drafting. Cause I think that's cool.
1: Heck yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be a not very user friendly software. I'm guessing.
0: No. Um, and then I was going to do some more, but then there was an update to their software and you couldn't use the arrow key and i'm like oh my gosh so you couldn't control it with a mouse the way you could with the arrow key so i'm like well now i'm screwed so that ended that all right
1: sometimes out goes
0: yeah sometimes it is sometimes those updates aren't as good as you'd like true now, now your the next question comes by way of a, a one of the other hosts on the show who's not here which is, who's your favorite superhero? And if you're not into that, because I really am not, um, then who would be your favorite historical figure? So you have options.
1: I'll go with the superhero. Um, I'll go okay. Spider-Man, probably. Um, just because he gets to like shoot webs out of his arms and crawl <laughs> up the sides of buildings and swing. I mean, that's just cool, for sure.
0: Yeah. He never has to worry about, you know, being bit by a spider anymore. That's for sure. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Now the next question, the answers don't have to be married. So the question is what's your favorite gun and caliber, but you could be a pistol guy who likes a rifle caliber, or you could be a rifle guy, but his favorite caliber is nine millimeter. So it's whatever.
1: Um, I would go. Favorite gun would be a uh, lever-action Marlin thirty thirty that my grandfather gave me. Um, wow, that's okay. The best hunting rifle you could like. It's super, super soft shooting. A big enough bullet to take down the white tail around here, um, and uh, just historical and kind of sentimental. But uh, favorite caliber, I think I'd probably just go 9 mil. Um, just. You can you can plink with it, you can compete with it, you can carry it. It's kind of a, a relatively broad category. So many different rounds you can use that it kind of encompasses a lot.
0: Okay, I'm gonna guess it's gonna be a 124 grain 9 millimeter round.
1: Uh yeah, probably. I don't know. I, I don't mind. I, I don't mind shooting the 115s, 124s, 147s. Um, they all I, don't, I can't tell too much of a difference if I shoot any of them. Uh, they're all kind of just similar to me.
0: Now that that brings up a good point, so I'm going to detour right here for a second because um, recently I'll say within since springtime, I guess I'll say it that way. Like Huanzik has felt that the 140, he started shooting 147s this year. He feels like there's a difference, and I just had I just interviewed. Uh, June Kim yesterday and he is shooting a 147 and he feels like there's a definite difference between the 147 and the 124s. So, I'm just curious. You're not seeing any difference at all, huh? um,
1: I probably don't have enough rounds to notice um, compared to those guys. They probably shoot a whole lot more than me. Um, But uh, I could I don't know. I think it's just preference, honestly. Um, if you're okay. really, really in tune with the recoil or if you're grip, um, it's just preference, I think. With the, yeah. a, Do they say it's a little bit softer or just like slower yeah. to return to zero?
0: Yeah, I think um, I know for sure June, when we were talking yesterday, was saying that the recoil management is much simpler, much easier because it doesn't, you don't get as much muzzle flip. Gotcha. gotcha.
1: I can, I could see that. Um, I'll have to test it, shoot them back to back. Um, that's, I've never like shot them back to back. It's always like one range trip is all of this ammo or the next range trip is all of that ammo. It just kind of depends.
0: Okay. Yeah. He, um, he even went on to say that, you know, it, now this is with the coated bullets where he can mm-hmm. actually drop the powder by two tenths of a grain so he can reduce the charge by 0.2, and still equally easily make power factor, and the recoil management is is much nicer. Okay.
1: definitely. If it works for you, and you I mean, you're still making power factor, and your makes your gun reliable, um, then I would I would say go for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So your accent gives away the fact that you sound like you're in the South, Brantley.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Born and raised in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, kind of like in the Cottondale area, but uh, been here my whole life, for sure.
0: Okay. Now, where I'm leading this into is, I'm sure you've been tracking the progress of the hurricane. Are you in the path of the hurricane, or...?
1: So I have not been tracking it at all. And uh, (laughs) this will be the first time I'm hearing about it. But no, sir. Oh, Uh, Hurricanes (laughs) normally don't don't get too bad up here. Um, We might get like a day or two of rain, but it's not like uh, crazy winds or something like that. Um, We have to just watch out for uh, tornadoes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's always a problem with the hurricanes. So are you in the upper half then of Alabama?
1: Yes, sir. I'm like in the... The central north portion, maybe an hour and a half from the top of it. Um,
0: it's okay. mainly central. Okay.
1: Yeah. If you know where yeah. Birmingham is, I'm like south, uh, southwest from Birmingham.
0: This episode is brought to you by Laser App. L A S R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30 day money back guarantee. And it's veteran owned, Semper Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell CERT guns and the CERT AR bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link thanks for your support everyone without your support this podcast would be difficult to maintain so did you just commute to cmp every day or did you stay closer
1: um no me and the wife got a hotel um i didn't want to drive in two hours every every day twice so i was like i'll just i'll just get a hotel
0: yeah it probably wouldn't be bad on Friday and Sunday, but that Saturday getting up an extra two hours early in the morning, that wouldn't be any fun.
1: Heck, if I go shoot locals out there, I'll, I'll drive up the day before or the the day of, um, and then, I mean, I'll just eat it, but uh, for that prolonged like four day, because I mean, you're staying, you're getting there a day early to walk stages. Then you have the three days of competition and then the awards that night. So you're going to be a late night that way. So you might as well just spend an extra night, drive home Monday So by the time it is, it's kind of, it's kind of worth it with all the gas money you're going to spend and all the time away from home.
0: Yeah, I agree. That that makes sense. Now from what I can tell from your Instagram page, it looks like you are running a CZ shadow Two.
1: Yes, sir. Yep. I, uh, I switched over to shadows just about a year and a half ago. Um, I was running Glock 34s, or just one Glock 34 before that. Had a buddy who shot some uh, SPO ones and Shadows, and I tried it out one range trip. And I was like, man, that that single stage trigger is super nice compared to the mushy Glock. <laughs> um, so I was like, let's 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 give that a shot. I borrowed his gun for a week to just dry fire it, um, with the intention of shooting it during a match. And I fell in love with it so much during that week of dry fire, I immediately went and bought me one, and shot my own gun before the next match. Uh, Just because I was like, this is good. I I like the weight of it. Um, uh, So some people say it's too heavy to transition targets. Um, I haven't really found that. Um, I just... You still need good fundamentals, but it hides your poor fundamentals sometimes. Um, So Mm. in competition, you kind of want to get as as much help as you can get. Um, So I I like the metal, the heavy gun.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean... You see all the guys who are not shooting metal guns put, you know, brass back straps and other stuff on their guns, So I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm sure there's a point where mm. it gets ridiculously heavy, but.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm, cause I have a, a, a cut on the top of my slide. So I'm still even lighter than a, a full weight shadow. Um, that's just oh, the way I okay. bought the gun. It came with a, a cut in it
0: well, uh, so, I mean, if, so you, do you, if you
1: like plastic guns, it's kind of just preference.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is. Um, so I am – I don't know if you can see it, but I am sharing the picture you had on Instagram of your Shadow 2, and it looks like you added a paddle thumb mag release to it.
1: Um, I or think – I'm not sure if that's factory or not. Um, I bought the gun with it, but I think it is the – okay. Uh, is the lock uh, mag release, I think. Okay. Um, pretty sure. But uh, it's it's been good. Um, no issues with that. I have noticed sometimes with a, uh, an, a loaded table or a loaded barrel start, if I push down a little too hard or in the wrong spot of the gun, I'll actually uh, unseat my mag whenever I grab it. Um, so I kind of have to pick it up from the slide so I don't push it down too hard Mm -hmm. and kind of drop the mag as soon as I pick up the gun.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Now, is that the 124 grain you're using there, the flat nose?
1: Yes, sir. Yep, that's the 124 grain uh, Rubens Reloading, Uh, one of my sponsors. Um, Been shooting those for just about a year. Um, Great bullets coated, the high-tech coating. He actually just changed his formula to a, a new make up to make it uh, less uh, smoky when you're shooting it.
0: Okay. Does he make his own coating then?
1: Um, I believe so. Um, he's That's out impressive. from like in Oklahoma. Um, he's a, a great guy out there for some bullets for sure.
0: Okay. Now, is there any particular reason you shoot flat nose versus round nose or is that just the way those came?
1: Just the way those came. I, I've, I've shot blue bullets, um, kind of the truncated. I've shot black bullets the the round nose. I've shot these kind of the flat nose. it's it's just preference. Um, I haven't I haven't seen an accuracy shift in any of them. Um, I just have to change my uh, my overall length sometimes to make sure they uh, feed good in my CZ.
0: Okay, so the next part I want to go into is the national champion questionnaire. So, we have oh, learned <laughs> through this podcast that there's three tendencies for national champs to have. So I'm going to start with, how tall are you?
1: I am six one.
0: All right, so you're five foot thirteen. So you meet requirement number one. You got to be at least five feet thirteen. <laughs> Did you grow I'm up on a farm? By. I did not. Okay. But you said you would go outside and shoot. So what did, what, what did you have property that you went out Uh, and shot on then?
1: Yes, sir. We have family land, um, about 40 acres that, uh, is bordered to our hunting lease, which is I think five or 600 acres. And so I could always go out there any time of year. Um, and uh, shoot or walk around in the woods or do whatever.
0: Okay. And were you homeschooled?
1: Yes, sir, I was. The entire All right. entire uh, high school from beginning to end.
0: Okay. Uh, that's at least a two and a half out of three, if not three. So you have a bright future of shooting ahead of you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that's our non-scientific study that we have <laughs> determined.
1: It's either a correlation or a causation. You don't know which one.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So when – I know you've been shooting guns your whole life. Can, do you know when the first time was you shot a gun?
1: Oh, probably not. Uh, I uh, I have memories of uh, from when I was four or five years old, uh, laying down on a trampoline, waiting to snipe birds off the fence with a BB gun. Um, okay. And then I like it. Growing up, yeah you up. Know, pellet gun uh shooting squirrels um shooting doves um shooting 22s i mean kind of kind of anything so i couldn't say like a first time i actually had like an actual firearm but i always always been around guns
0: okay and you never shot your eye out that's good
1: i did not never i'm (laughs) trying to think i don't think i ever shot myself with a bb gun or anything like that um so i've been been good
0: so far we're gonna keep up the streak yeah i like it gonna go undefeated (laughs) your entire life (laughs) heck yeah that's the plan now you were saying you shot i wrote it down um so if you see me looking down and doing something that's just me writing notes to remind me to ask you stuff later um my next question was how did you find the uspsa and you said I know that you mentioned you watched a bunch of YouTube videos and you said mm-hmm. you shot your first competition about 21. Um, but what made you, how did you start or why did you start looking at the YouTube videos of like practical shooting stuff? And then what was finally the trigger that was like, I'm doing this.
1: Um. So I, my whole family kind of as like a, an evening thing we would watch a show called NCIS and on that show all the special agents carried a SIG 226 I think um and I was like well that's that's so cool like I want to I want to be able to shoot like those guys because they were completely fictional shooting and they would like rack off rounds and be stacked on top of each other and so I uh, saved up some money and put money towards my dad buying a 229 um and that was kind of the first that was the first pistol I ever purchased or was mine basically. And that was about like 14 or 15. Um, and then just kind of practicing with that every so often was like, Hey, I want to, I want to start carrying whenever I turn 18, which is the legal limit in Alabama. You can't, you can't, you can't purchase a firearm and you can't purchase ammo until you're 21, but you can carry a pistol at 18. So it kind of like makes you have a older adult figure kind of help you out in that. Um, so I got a uh, Smith & Wesson shield for my for Christmas, um, the year I turned 18, started carrying that. My parents were like, hey, look, you're you're gonna carry the gun, why don't you get some training, do some, uh, take a class, do some training, watch videos kind of thing. And I kind of just dove into the, the video aspect of it, um, switched over and uh, wanted to get a little bit of a bigger carry gun than a shield. So I think I got the SIG, uh, 320 RX at the time had a red dot on it and was like, man, I love this red dot. Like that was the ticket. Uh, that was, that was the, the <laughs> like grasp. It was like, I'm never shooting irons again. Like I am going to stay with the dots once I found that one. And it was, uh, jumped that for a while, switched over to the Glocks. And it was just about at that transition from Sig to Glock where, uh, I was watching all kinds of videos from all the tactical guys to all the competition guys um, and everything in between of videos and kind of got um, onto the practical shooting as well as like growing up, I was watching a uh, top shot. Um, I watched every mm. single season of top shot there was just cause that was so cool. So seeing JJ and Blake um, and all the other shooters on there, Mike C. Klander was kind of on the early ones, but uh, I think, I think he was on there. Um, but anyway, so kind of always knowing that you could do that, and then watching the videos of like people actually competing in it and having like big matches, really really caught my attention and uh, definitely wanted to
0: try it. Okay, now did you were there any YouTube video individuals that you preferred or?
1: Um, I think just everybody. I think I would literally watch like every so I would watch. Um, T-Rex Arms, Ben Steggers, Practical Shooting Group. I think I would watch Tactical Rifleman, Warrior Poet. Oh, gosh, there's other ones. Just anything and everything. Um, Grand Thumb. I mean, I would watch reviews. I would watch Actual Shooting. I would watch Practical Shooting. I would watch Tactical Shooting. Um, Surefire put out a bunch of videos. Chris Costa. Um, I mean, everybody. Wow. Um, wow. And that would be Rifle and Pistol.
0: Okay. I'm going to, so did that ever drive you to want to shoot IDPA, the tactical stuff?
1: Um, not really. Um, I think I did more research and like forums and stuff like that. I was like, what's the best one to get into? And everybody was saying USPSA because they were like, oh, IDPA is a little bit slower and USPSA is like all the fast pace. And I was like, I, I want the fast pace. I don't want the slow stuff. Like, give me, Give me the full juice, fast stuff.
0: Yeah, looking at your videos from uh, Carry Optics Nationals, I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely like to go fast. So we're going to back up for just a second. You watched NCIS. What genre of music do you listen to? Yes. It, d- it depends <laughs> on the day. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll because... listen to. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, because the theme for NCIS is. Borrowed from the greatest rock band in the history of the world. Who, the Who? I did not know that. The yes. Who. Oh, that's funny. Um, that's cool. Yeah, we,
1: uh, me and my wife actually just started watching NCIS again, and the first time the theme song played, I was like, "Oh, this brings back so many good memories." <laughs> uh, but uh, but I'll, I'll listen to anything. I'll listen to like old school country, a little bit of the new country, uh, pop, hip hop rock, old school rock, rap. I mean, just everything. It just depends on the mood. I have like a dozen playlists on my phone that I just, just pick.
0: Wow. Yeah. I have one playlist. It's called the who, and I put some other songs in there just to give me a little bit of variety, but yeah, it's all the who, but it's all good. Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now, you said you are married so obviously your wife is supportive of this addiction gosh yes (laughs) basically
1: uh yes or no? she's been everything but support like nothing but supportive she's been from the beginning super super sweet always pushing me to go shoot more matches and train and practice um and like that that helps you because you're like okay i want to go practice but also like you're being so so sweet whenever i do come back like i want to spend more time i'll put down the guns and i'll go watch a movie with you or hang out with you or even she'll come and uh, practice with me sometimes and so on and so forth but she's she's great she's pretty sweet i lucked out with her
0: this episode is brought to you by gun butter gun butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol they have grease for parts that need it like lugs on a bolt gun man do i love a bolt gun it's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, Look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shue uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it, it would make it, and I bring that up because um, one of the other guest hosts, he, two years ago, we all went to Nationals together and they had just had their second child. And I don't think he's shot a single match since then. So, oh, well. Wow. Yeah, his children have really hampered his <laughs> shooting ability. So they can, yeah.
1: if you I mean, you know, if you're having a, a full time job and shooting with kids, so there's not a lot of time to, To go around you know you're kind of just fighting for all the extra time
0: absolutely now you did you other did you shoot any other divisions in uspsa before you found the dot
1: um so the first match i ever shot um was a production match with my grandfather's gen 2 glock 17 with a, I think a Blackhawk circle holster, some STAC Kiwi mag pouches. And that was the first match ever. Um, I shot that one and I was like, I gotta I gotta keep playing this game. I shot maybe three or four matches in production and uh, wasn't doing too hot. I was just kind of in the, the middle range of uh, classification. And at the time I was carrying a dot, but I was competing with iron. So I was like, well, why don't I just shoot the dot and the gun that I carried, um, and that was a Glock 19, MOS with the ARMR. And uh, first match shot product or shot carry optics, and uh, won my local match. Completely surprised, did not think that was going to happen at all. And uh, that was that was definitely the ticket. I was like, I like I like the dot more than irons. I could target focus a lot more. I was more accurate. I could go a little faster. And uh, that was first carry optics match was January of 2020. Um, didn't get classified until about july um, hopped in as b class um just because covid and like i only shot one match a month and so it took me like six months because i would take like i took like one or two months off to get my initial four classifications hopped in as b class and uh nine months after that made gm nine
0: months from b to gm
1: yes sir that was countless okay. countless Countless hours of dry fire.
0: What well, that almost sounds, um, illegal. <laughs> it's free. So when you, <laughs> it is, it is. Now you say countless hours of dry fire, like how many, how much time a day were you spending dry firing?
1: Um, it would be anywhere from about 45 to an hour and a half. Um, If I felt like I wanted to go along that day, I would go an hour and a half. If I was like, hey, I just kind of want to get this over with, I would be about 45. And that was about every to every other day um, for that period, for sure. Uh, And I was working stuff from the draw, from sight pictures to trigger presses, movement, entries, exits, transitions, throttle control. I mean, a little bit of everything. Um,
0: Okay. So let's say there are some people in the audience who hear this and they're like, holy cow, that's crazy. Um, If you, if someone was like, Hey, how can I get from B to master or GM in a year? What is there anything in particular? Is it just all of the fundamentals I should be practicing in dry fire or do I need to add some other more intricate elements to that?
1: Um, I think to get to about a class, you need just how to run your gun. So how to be in a stationary position and shoot your gun with good fundamentals of sights and grip. Um, And then trigger control is kind of like a subcategory of grip. Um, Okay. So on and so forth. To get to master, I think you need to be able to move well, um, be efficient in your entries and exits and then Grandmaster, you need to do all of those, but have a little bit of mental. Um, that's, that's kind of my philosophy on how to get to the categories, because that was my progression. Uh, jumped to A class pretty pretty easy. Um, and then M class was working on the movement a lot and stayed in M class for several months. Um, I think for I think four or five of those months, I was in M class. And it wasn't that's... until I unlocked or started working on the mental that I actually finally made GM.
0: Okay, well that's still not very long in M class, but I get it. Yeah, half of your time was spent in M class coming up from B. So that's still super fast. Just... But now, do you still do that much dry fire now?
1: Um not that much. Now it's probably 20 to 45 minute dry fire sessions every other day.
0: All right, so has your live fire picked up?
1: Um, A little bit. Um, The first year was, I mean, maybe 2000 rounds the entire year of practice ammo. Um, I think this year I bumped it up to about 6,000 rounds of practice. Um, And uh, just, I'll, I'll try to go one match and one practice a month. And then, like, a 500-round practice. And then uh, leading up to a major match, I'll go every week um, for maybe a month. And leading up to nationals, I'll go every week for two months, or how, however that swings.
0: Okay. So you do ramp it up heading into nationals?
1: Yes, sir. Um, not so much for, like, I want to build skill right before nationals or major. It's more of, um, like, the... I don't know, three three weeks out of the month is building skill, but that last week before a Nationals or a Major is really just going up to the range and getting the confidence. Because, um, I mean, you want to go into a match with confidence. You don't want to have an absolutely atrocious and super hard practice right before Nationals and come in with, like, zero um, confidence. You kind of want to make a little bit of an easier practice because you've already worked all the hard stuff before then, you know? Um, and that's right. kind of, you, you work all the hard stuff early and then, at the very, very last end, you work something easy to get, build your confidence up, so you can go in and shoot well.
0: I almost feel like that last week would just be zen with your gun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, it's a yep. lot more uh, not really looking at the timer. Um, you'll use it for your initiation, um, kind of like your start buzzer. But uh, other than that, it's just kind of if it if it feels efficient, then that's all you want. You know, like if you say, okay, that was it. that was atrocious. Like I can just feel that was slow. Um, then do it until it just, okay, that feels like it was decent. And then then you're good.
0: Okay. Did you take advantage of the pistol range that was open for zeroing and function checking at Nationals?
1: I did not. Um, I was kind of disappointed okay. because last year um, last year they had an open range or an open bay where it was like you could just, you get a warm-up bay. So you could go and shoot a couple of mags in, kind of get your draws down. But this this year, it was only a side-in and function test. So there was no drawing from the holsters, no reloading. And I was like, I really don't have any need for, or need or want to do that. So I refrained.
0: Okay, I, I went there on Thursday. Cause I got, I drove from Virginia down to Talladega. So I got in Wednesday evening and then Uh, (laughs) I walked all the stages Thursday. I was the first person in line to check in. Uh, but I did go to the range and it was nice just to be able to put rounds down range and ensure that my, even though I was confident my zero was, I was like, well, you know what? This is the first time I've had really the opportunity to do it. So I went over there and they had some steel and I just picked a spot and I'm like, man, this thing's hammering. So if I screw up the next three days, it's on me. It's not your gun.
1: I get you. I get you. Like if you're, if you're traveling distance, um, several hours of driving or a flight, like I got hundred percent agree with that. Like you want to function test it. Um, and I've kind of function tested at my range on Wednesday and then drove up on Thursday. So I kind of, I kind of already had that practice and I wasn't going to bump my gun on the drive up there. So I was, I was pretty confident and you know, everything was going to stay good.
0: So did you partake in the uh, this a little bit um, a little bit of a side detour again? But did you take uh, did you partake in the side match build drill?
1: I did. Uh, I threw twenty bucks at it because it, okay. it was Just fun to give it a shot. Um, I I didn't do good at all. I think I made like a a one seven or a 18 with a Charlie. Um, so it it is what it is. My my I mean my personal record. Of like best ever is like a, a one six, and so I knew I could not c- compete with those guys who were dropping
0: one threes and one fours. So,
1: but I was like, hey, I'll, I'll get a shot. It'll be fun.
0: Okay, so it didn't it didn't take you out of your match focus. It was just something you went over. Ah, oh, this is fun, and that was it.
1: Yep it was the it was the last thing we did on day two. Um, I think we okay. shot in the morning. So like I had all that day, and so like after we got done shooting zone zone one zone A so one yep, through sorry. six, we went and did yep. that, um, and it was fun. And shot the um, the Beretta little steel challenge thing. First time ever shooting a performance 92. Um, big difference, but uh, it was fun. Just to, to kind of end the day on like a, a fun note because I mean sometimes you gotta relax, gotta relax, and not just take everything so serious at a match because you will burn yourself out real quick.
0: Well, and I had this conversation, um, with June yesterday, so it'll be coming out. Um, but for the super squad, for you guys, and even for me, we ended up on the last stage of that zone for both of us was stage six. Whereas a lot of these guys and women that zone six was not their last stage so they had the vendor bay thrown in in their shooting mix so they would have to wait 15 or 20 minutes before they could get to another bay to shoot and i feel like when i'm shooting i like the i like the way i shot where i you know was the first stage of the zone and i finished up on the last stage of the zone so you kind of get in that rhythm you know you shoot mm-hmm. you go to the next bay you shoot um, whereas they would shoot, go to the next bay, shoot, go to the vendor bay. All right, now we have a 15, 20 minute downtime, then go down to stage one, go back through the whole process. I feel like that's a little more difficult.
1: You it would be tougher to keep keep your mind in it for sure. Um, throughout that process, you kind of actually maybe more like take a break and go do something fun. And then before you shoot the next stage, kind of come back, re zero, take time for yourself and, like, get back into the, the analytical and the shooting mindset. Because, um, I mean, a lot of this game is mental, for sure.
0: Well, and but, and uh, Virginia, I agree yeah. with – do you ever listen to Steve Anderson?
1: Oh, yes, definitely, yeah. He was one of the first books that I got for uh, shooting.
0: Okay. I totally agree with him um, where he says – you know, the higher your classification, the more mental the game becomes, and and I agree because oh, I mean, I mean at this point, what's Brantley Miriam really have to learn? I mean, sure, you're still going to keep learning stuff, but mm-hmm. you you've learned, and I'll just put it in um, relation to your classification. You've learned ninety plus percent of what there is about shooting. Now it's managing that. And being consistent mentally to mm-hmm. be able to finish where you finished. So for you guys, Definitely. it's way uh-huh. mental.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still learning stuff, and mm-hmm. you're relearning other stuff. Like I'm just uh, in the past six to eight months, I've kind of started working on like predictive shooting. So like, uh, how how Ben Stager says it, like I'm. I'm seeing one, I'm staring at the target, I'm seeing a spot I want to shoot, and I'm throwing two at it. And because you trust your grip, and your trigger control, and your sights, and also you've practiced this in practice multiple times, you know that during a match, those two shots are going to be next to each other. You know, you're kind of seeing the dot in recoil and lifting, but you're not making the conscious decision after the first one to send another one. Um, So that's definitely been one of the big things that I've been playing with and just overall grip pressures and just trying to make in the gun shoot. Um, I wouldn't say flatter, but just more consistent. So it's coming back to the same spot every time. And then the mental game is just the consistency. Um, Cause in the beginning and I'm mean, I still do it sometimes because I'm a fast shooter. I want to go as fast as I can and I want to burn down the stage and do great. But then also like I'll have a hundred percent stage win and then I'll like drop down to like, 40th percent because I threw two mics on a stage. And so I'd rather be running at my 90% uh, performance every single stage than having like 100% uh, performance and then a 50% performance and then 100% performance and a 50% performance. Um, it's just that consistency right. that is right. really helpful. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it, major matches, you don't have to win a single stage to win the match. You just shoot 95% of every single stage. And you win.
0: You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what Nils did this year. I mean, he did have a couple of stage wins, but he wasn't. He, he wasn't. Uh, just... Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hoist. Hoist your IV-level rehydrating electrolyte blend of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. It's clinically proven to hydrate 110% faster than water. Chris Gelnett was on episode 63 and gave his own personal testimony. He had a bad experience with the heat at Area 8 in 2021 when temps were near 100 and the humidity was high. He was ready to quit with three stages to go. He had mentally checked out. Afterward, he listened to episode 48 with Rachel Trotta, decided to try hoist bought a case off amazon started using it at locals and found hey i'm not fatigued at the end of the day so he took it to area five and at the end of the day he was ready to shoot the match again as a matter of fact he even had a stage win on his last stage man they have all the best flavors they have watermelon peach mango dragon fruit Strawberry, lemonade, grape, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. It's probably the only beverage that I've tried that I like all of the flavors. You can buy it either in a powder and mix it with water, or you can buy it pre-mixed, whichever way you prefer. But check it out, get hydrated, stay hydrated, use Casual Shooter and save 10%, or be like Chris, and have a recurring subscription and save 15%. Right, 2 out of 19 so mm-hmm. yeah you know I mean, you, like Nils it is super it, super consistent very consistent so he, he's not going to be the fastest
1: he's not going to be the fastest man out there like you, you can you can raw time on, on several stages however you also cannot beat his accuracy like he is super super accurate he's very precise yeah. um, he'll get those alphas efficiently it's not fast but it's very efficient you know he makes very very few mistakes he's consistent in that and i mean he's, he's a great shooter for sure He's going to, he's already done great things and he'll continue to do great things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now I want to, I want to back up a little bit because you said a few things. Um, you actually wrote it down earlier. You mentioned that when you switched to the dot, you were like, oh, I can target focus much better. Were you target focusing the moment you picked up a red dot or did you learn that somewhere? Or did you just pick that up on your own?
1: yes and no um i think i had moments where i would truly dot or target focus um sometimes other times i would be watching that dot um very very hard and uh kind of in the last year and a half year ish i've really really transitioned to like just the dot is in your peripheral as you're staring at the spot of the target you want to go you know and then because you have the index that you've created in dry fire, your gun goes there every time, every time.
0: Okay. Now what size dot do you have in your SRO? Is it a two and a half or a five?
1: A uh, two and a half. I okay. like the, the smaller crisper dots, um, just just preference. Uh, some guys run it and they're great at it and they're running the five. Um, I mean, you have some, Sig dots that are running six MOAs, so it's just
0: preference. Right. Um, so you mentioned um, practical shooting training group and stuff. I know that Hwanzyk is big on tracking the A-zone. Do you practice any of that or did you already do it?
1: Heck yeah. Um, I didn't. So starting out, I really didn't do a lot of barricade or wall work just because I didn't have that at my range. Um, but uh, recently I was doing a lot of the tracking the A-zone, kind of like the four targets with two barrels and kind of you go in between them and stuff like that bar hop stuff like that um and that's that's the eye opener to see like how how crappy i did in those the first times i ran in practice i was like holy crap that's a really hard drill to perform correctly um and so like i immediately knew this is this is what i'm going to be practicing from here on out until i can master it Uh, because this is a big a big step i can improve my own game in
0: right I don't know how well um, you are able to – were you able to see what I had shared earlier with your mm-hmm. gun? Yes, sir. Okay. I am going to share something else here because I, I jokingly blame Wanzick for that. Can you see that? Can you see the hole in that frame? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's stage one, the strong hand, weak hand, uh, but this was freestyle. Oh. I was tracking the A zone through the wall, and I thought I had cleared the post, but apparently I did not.
1: <laughs> yep, I've done the same exact thing in practice. Um, uh. my, my left eye sees it, and I slap that trigger, and then I look down at the target that's in front of me. I'm like, oh, there's a hole in it. I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't. I cleared it <laughs> out.
0: It happens. It my- happens. Sure. I jokingly, I jokingly blame Juanzick. That's that's Hwanzyk's fault. That's his miss. Write <laughs> uh, his name underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, have you since you listened to uh, Steve Anderson, have you ever considered taking any of the mental management classes like the Lenny Lanny Basham stuff?
1: Um, I've considered it for sure. Um, I just haven't. Got around to actually taking one. Uh, I've read his Lanny Basham's book, great, great book, um, kind of did so. I did Steve Anderson's book, Lanny Basham's book, Ben Steger's book, all on match mentality stuff. Whenever I hit that mm. uh, plateau in M, and uh, definitely jumped up for sure from there. You could, you could, you can definitely tell a performance uh, consistency. I wouldn't say a performance increase, but just like a, a consistency standpoint, that uh, that helped a lot.
0: OK, I got to write something down for when we talk about stage 19 and that win. Um,
1: oh, gosh. <laughs> hey, a blind squirrel finds a nut so often now. Uh,
0: that was a dominating win, actually. That was pr- very impressive. Um,
1: Thank you.
0: So do you take an off season? Um, yes, normally
1: after nationals, I'll, uh, I'll take off from nationals to the end of the year and then i'll pick up training again in january or february Um, and a lot of that is due to the range that i shoot at is on the hunting lease and so i don't want to disturb hunters on the weekends by dropping four or five hundred rounds while they're trying to bring a deer into the greenfield and so i kind of i kind of lay off i'll just i'll dry fire only whenever i feel like it i won't be like regimental in it and uh i'll shoot a matches here and there Mainly just for fun. I'll shoot from concealment or I'll shoot some irons, but uh, kind of the competition mindset. I kind of want to let go, and I'm I'm just there to hang out with guys, hang out with friends, and just shoot for fun.
0: Okay, now this year's nationals was pretty early. So, is your are do you still consider yourself in the off season now?
1: Um, I'll probably still keep going until uh, our hunting season starts officially, and uh, I might even try to. Because Nats is so earlier next year too. It's in July um, instead June,
0: of June actually. November,
1: October, September, or June. I'm sorry. Um,
0: yeah. So I the think very end of June.
1: It'll be a lot. I might take like November, December off maybe um, from live fire, but still be semi semi consistent with the dry fire. Um, but it's this year's gonna be a little bit different than last year's for sure. Because um, I want to keep keep up there. I don't know if you want to, if you want to be hired placement you gotta you gotta put in more work
0: yeah uh those last three guys that jump over though they can be pretty formidable
1: heck yeah those are those are <laughs> i mean you're you're fighting world champions at that point you know i like guess
0: i mean brantley think about. literally the three guys who finished in front of you are the only three carry optics national champions ever it's a good way to put
1: it <laughs> <Very> yeah
0: <true. laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah. and and I commend you for wanting to be there and willing to put in the work. So awesome. Thank you very much. June, June Kim said something that was very interesting. He actually tracks his nationals results from year to year. And he noticed that he has halved his standing each year. Was this how many nationals have you shot?
1: So I shot. I've shot three. Um, I shot my first nationals like six or seven months into Carry Optics because I thought it was normal for everybody to shoot uh, nationals. And so <laughs> I took the family down to Frostproof and shot it. And uh, okay, I shot it B class.
0: And then so then you shot CMP twice and Frostproof once so, at Frostproof. Uh, frostproof,
1: I. Uh, yeah, Frost groups, I was. I went in as B class and uh beat all of B class, all of A class, and packed about middle of M. Um, I think I ended up in 29th, 28th, 28th, or 29th in carry optics. I can't remember the exact one at around like maybe 83 percent. Um, and wow. then the next year, did uh, ninth place. So last year, um, did ninth place.
0: Um, and then this year got fourth. So, in a way, you are kind of tracking it. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. each year you are making significant gains. So, very, very impressive. Now, when you were at Frostproof, what did you think about? Do you remember stage 19 all the way at the end, far target out to the left?
1: Yes. 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 They had a freaking drive a golf cart out there to score because it was so far
0: yes yes they did nobody scored it but the ro's and they sent a golf cart out were you yep. able to shoot that in dry weather or wet weather i was dry
1: yes sir oh. um
0: okay. okay it was dry i didn't
1: do as good as i wanted to on that stage but uh it was it was is what is what it is
0: okay well we got lucky we were able to shoot at day two right during the torrential downstorm right after lunch so oh. You got Look, a forty. 40- I, I didn't yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I didn't shoot any of that match in the rain. It was a little bit like a sprinkle here and there, um, but thankfully no no rain and no bags, so it was I was lucky.
0: Okay, so you shot opposite of us then because we shot morning, afternoon, morning. So you would have shot afternoon, morning, afternoon, because it was so, the afternoon of day two that got the rain, and that mm-hmm. was our first stage. And sure enough, that 42-yard target had plastic on it. And I was looking at it from the start point. And I'm like, I can't really see shape. So I'm sitting here staring at it, trying to figure out where I'm going to be aiming. because I'm like, there's really no mm-hmm. shape. <laughs> so, Yeah. It sucks sometimes. Yeah, I, I shot
1: uh, zone C and then A and then B on a frost proof.
0: Now – between the two frostproof and cmp which do you prefer taking distance out of the equation because you're obviously way closer to cmp than you are frostproof. taking that out of the equation yeah. um, which place do you prefer to shoot nationals which one did you prefer
1: uh i think probably cmp because they're they're bigger bays and so you can have bigger stages in them um some I guess I remember a lot of smaller bays at Frostproof. It's been a while though, um, but uh, I did like the continuous bays or the continuous awnings they had at Frostproof. That was super, super amazing. You could fit a ton of people underneath there um, because I guess it always rains in Florida, so they're used to it. Um, they, I mean, they seem like they're more set up to hold national type events, um, but just the actual like bays themselves seem better at CMP.
0: Yeah, and I think there's some. Make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's definitely some advantages to the size of the the bays at CMP. I wish they had a few more, but I definitely like the layout at yes. Definitely. Um, frost because like I have been saying to other people, you know, I, I go there to shoot it, but I also because of the podcast, I go there to try to introduce myself to other shooters to have on the podcast like yourself um, and I enjoy following the super squads and watching them shoot and at CMP when you have the women's and the men starting while at the end the men are at one end of the zone and the women are all the way at the opposite end it's like I can't stand there and watch anymore <laughs> I've got to pick and yeah. choose it's hard to see them both it is so it, w- it was nice at the beginning of each day because you guys were shooting next to each other and I could just stand between the stages and watch all the shooters so that was good
1: now are there yeah, I wish I wish CMP would have some more bays
0: for sure um
1: I'm not a big fan into like the double base shooting where like two small courses or two speed shoots um I like I like the big bays um, the big stages, but I understand you kind of got to test some stuff in the smaller um, stages. But if they had a couple more a couple more bays, because I think Frostproof, first year it was like 22, 22 stages we shot. Um, and every time at CMP, it's like 18 or 19. And so I would like to see some more stages be added um, to get it up to the at least above 20, 21, 22 um, kind of area.
0: I, I think for three days, I feel like. 24 is a good number eight each day. As long as you can start at eight in the morning, you know, the problem at CMP is you can't start shooting till nine. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I think somewhere in the seven to eight per day range is great because I mean, that's a, that's your normal local match. Most guys shoot anywhere from like six or seven stages at a local, um, and I mean, if you come to a nationals, you, you want to shoot. Why not shoot a little more stages?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have you traveled around and shot any um, like area matches outside of Area 6?
1: Um, uh, Not too much. Uh, so I've shot Area 6 two years now up in North Carolina. And I shot Area 5 last year in Kentucky. Um, and those are about okay. the only. Part of that's driven I'll, I'll drive to georgia and i'll shoot georgia state um that's a really really fun match and that's about the extent that i, tra- I have traveled i'm now i'm trying to travel a whole lot more in the future um in this next year and the year after and i want to shoot as many uh big matches as i can i want to i want to shoot dragon's cup everybody rants and raves and says oh, that's yeah the amazing of it so i want to go out there shoot dragon's cup if i can shoot a couple area matches and uh, just have some more fun with it get to know more people around the country shoot, see different uh Different uh, locations, you know.
0: Yeah, I think Dragon Cup, Dragon's Cup, would be a good one to go shoot. There is a lot of bruhaha about that. I mean, a lot of positive comments. So,
1: yeah. I I would make the argument that's like one of the top five biggest matches in the year. You know, like it's it's real close to being like that. Just everybody goes to it. It's well, uh, from what I've heard, it's well uh, set up, ran. Has good sponsors, kind of they take care of you, good stages, good formats, fun shooting. So overall, it seems like they're doing something right over there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.